Welcome to the Convergence Church Podcast. Our vision at Convergence is to encounter Jesus and transform cities with His power and His love. If you'd like more information about Convergence and how to plug in, you can visit convergencechurch.com. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy this message. I'm going to dive into the message this morning. And I just want to say something real quick. Um, We are in a series called A Healthy Heart. How many of you have been here for that? Okay, most of you in the room. Um, Just a quick recap. The first Sunday we talked about this, we talked about hope deferred. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a what? A tree of life. And so we unpacked that in the first Sunday. Then my dad talked about gratitude, thanksgiving, Uh, The title of that message was A Thankful Heart. And there's nothing that unlocks things in your heart like thankfulness. Gratitude. And so go back and listen to that message. Then last Sunday, we talked about our words, right? We talked about the power of our words. What are we declaring, right? It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And so I'd encourage you to go back, listen to those messages if you have not jumped in. And this morning, we are moving from our mouth to our eyes. The title of my message this morning is A Healthy Heart, Our Eyes. Let's pray. Lord, I ask you that you'd open the eyes of our heart, Lord. And we just right off the bat, Lord, we thank you for our eyes. And I just thank you for a healthy heart, Lord. I thank you that as we step into this message, Lord, that your desire is to do what we've already been doing all morning, to set our hearts apart for you. So we just say that we love you. We're thankful for all that you're doing. And we receive what you want to do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to encourage you this morning, don't check out of this message this morning. This message is going to be very vulnerable, and it is going to be a message you probably don't hear in church too often. And because of that, I also want to provide a couple of disclaimers right off the bat, okay? I know there's a few kids in the room. Um, My first disclaimer is I am going to be talking some this morning about my journey with pornography. And so I just want to start off the bat. I'm going to be using words like pornography, lust, sex, sexual uh, identity, we're going to be talking about that in church, okay? So, you're not going to offend me if you're like, I don't know if I want my kids to talk about that at this moment or have that in their mind, okay? You're not going to offend me if you leave now, cool? Which also brings me to the second disclaimer, which is this. We are no longer going to make these words dirty words. One reason why I felt so passionate, if you know me at all, you know this message is deeply passionate in my heart, because this is my story. It's a part of my my story, my history, my freedom with the Lord. But listen, I want to say something too. This is my second disclaimer. Um, In many ways in the church, we have given this conversation over to the world. We've given it over. And I think part of the reason we've given it over is actually because we're afraid to talk about it. Like, 
We're afraid to talk about sex, lust, pornography, and we've given it over to the education system. We've given it to media. We've given it to friends. We've given it to TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. And I think it's interesting, too, how the Bible has a lot to say about it. So here's, here's where we are as a church, okay? What the Bible is loud about, we're going to be loud about. Why are we shrinking back from this conversation when this has a lot to say about this conversation? The Bible is clear and loud about our sexuality. So why are we afraid of it? And I think we're afraid of it too, and our fear of it has actually perpetuated the world to lead the conversation, and the church is coming from behind instead of leading. What if we led the conversation? What if we led the conversation from Genesis? What if we talked about the covenant of marriage? What if we made that a point in our church to attack this issue head on and not shrink back? All right, now that I've gotten those out of the way, I know some of you are like, man, I'm a little uncomfortable in church right now. That's good. I want you to be uncomfortable in church. If you think you're coming here for comfort, I apologize. We love you, we want you to feel comfortable, but we also want you to feel challenged. Okay, why have we been talking about a healthy heart? Because our heart is the central place where we process things. We think using our mind, but we process with our heart. Our heart is our inner being. It is the place where our emotions flow from. It is the place where we feel, process, and make decisions from. And the core verse that we have been in is this one. Proverbs 4. Verse 21, Solomon is writing. He says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. Verse 23, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. If you have the NIV translation, your Bible says guard your heart. That word watch is what? Who remembers? Active. That's not a silent little just sort of be okay with where, no, it's a watch. It's an active participation to be diligent over what is happening in the soil of my heart. So this morning, that's why we're talking about this. I just wanted to catch you up on this. The Hebrew word used for watch there is a verb, meaning this is not passive, it's active. Watching over your heart doesn't happen by accident. It requires a purposeful, healthy, intentional place of surrendering things to the Lord. And the reality this morning is that at some point in our lives, every single one of us are going to have things that come up in our heart. And we're going to be like, oh, I need to give that over to the Lord. The state of your heart impacts the way you see God. It impacts your relationships, your marriage, how you respond. Because from this place flow the springs of life. All right, let's dive in. Our eyes. Did you know that your eyes are connected to your heart? I want you to turn to Matthew 5. We're going to be hanging out in the Sermon on the Mount this morning. I love the Sermon on the Mount. Most people would say that the Sermon on the Mount, this is the greatest sermon Jesus ever preached. Now, Jesus preached a lot of good sermons. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount is great, and I love it. 
um, because Jesus, I love the way Jesus does the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus is very kind and loving and he also doesn't mince words, right? And I love that because we should understand who God is, his love, his kindness that leads us to repentance, but also what that does is it actually allows his word to pierce our hearts where it needs to. And so Jesus really starts to dive into this in the Sermon on the Mount. So first, we start with the Beatitudes. Okay, if you don't know what the Beatitudes are, just check out the first 11 verses of the Sermon on the Mount. These are the Beatitudes. And I want you to focus on verse 8, Matthew 5, verse 8. It says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall what? See God. Okay, what's Jesus putting here? He's talking about purity. Blessed are the pure in heart, for actually that allows you to see him. So the connection is that your heart is connected to you seeing. I love what Paul says in Ephesians 1, right? He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, right? It's this place of the seedbed, the soil of your heart actually can be awakened and allow you to see. And there's a purity that happens when your heart is healthy. You're able to see him in a way. And it's beautiful. And so blessed are the pure in heart. A healthy heart allows you to see clearly. It's crucial that we're able to see what the Lord is doing. All right, the second place I want you to turn, it should be pretty close in your Bible here. Verse, look at verse 27, Matthew 5, 27. This is one of those verses that we don't often preach about. And it is this. You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who what? Looks at a woman with lust for her, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Wow. You shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks, looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery. Here's here's the main point about this particular verse. Adultery doesn't start with an act. Adultery starts with the eyes. It starts here before it ever starts here and before it ever becomes something that you do. What are you taking in through your eyes? Right? It starts with a look. And I want to just talk about this this morning. I'm not talking about just an accidental look. I'm not talking about seeing beauty. I'm talking about a look that becomes a gaze, that becomes desire, that becomes a problem. Okay? It's important here to see the connection, your eyes and your heart. And so one thing the enemy wants to do is he wants to get your eyes focused on something. And a lot of times he brings temptation in the area of your eyes because he wants you to get your focus on something that's not of the Lord. He's trying to get your eyes on something. And I thought this Greek word for lust was so interesting because most of the time, right, can we just hit a taboo subject right away? Most of the time when we think lust, we think sexual nature, right? We think, oh, that's, that's kind of a sexual word. Did you know that the word has nothing to do with a sexual nature in the Greek? Here's what the Greek word for lust means. 
and I'm going to try to pronounce this correctly for my Greek scholars in the room. Uh, the Greek word is epithumeo. Epithumeo. And it means this, to set the heart upon, to long for, covet, or desire. Now, here, this is really important this morning. I want you to hear me loud and clear. Why is that definition of lust important? Because lust isn't just about sex. It's not just about sexual nature. You can lust for money. You can lust after uh, all sorts of things. Wealth, fame, reputation, likes, followers. You can lust after a lot of things. So let's just break that box open real quick and realize that really when you look at that, what it, lust at its core is what is the object that you're desiring. And I want you to see this. I, I, I want to, you don't have to turn there, but I want to just point out Mark 4. This is Jesus. This is the parable of the, of the soils. Most of you know this. We've got the soil. We've got the seed that falls along the road. We've got the seed that falls on rocky soil. And then we have this verse, which is the seed that falls on, on the thorn soil. And then we have good soil, right? We have the four soils. Okay? And here Jesus says, And others are the ones sown with seed among the thorns. So this is the seed that goes among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Here's what I found. This word for desires right here, it comes from the same root word as lust. Why is that important? Because here in Mark 4, we don't find this just a sexual desire. We find it as anything that would seek to choke the word of the Lord in your heart. So lust is about desire rooted in the wrong thing. Okay? Desire rooted in the wrong thing. What happens here? You've got worries of the world. You've got deceitfulness of wealth. The desire for other things that are not of the Lord actually tries to seep in and choke what that good seed is and make it unfruitful. This is why it's so important that we understand what we desire, the object of our affection, devotion, worship, desire that the Lord put in our hearts to be rooted in a healthy manner is so crucial because if we begin to desire, get desire and other things and other things come in, it, has to, it tries to choke the word. It tries to choke the word. So lust is something that can, that can develop in your heart when the first object of your desire is not the Lord. When the Lord is the first object of your desire in your heart, then everything else will flow from that place, including what you look at. So when we go back to Matthew 5, 28, and we're talking about looks, and we're associating lust, I want you to see here this is what makes this look so important. This isn't just about a look. It's really about lust. What does that mean? It means it's not just about a look, an innocent, oh, I just happened to look. It's about the fact that there's an object of desire that now is not just a look. It's a gaze. It becomes something that roots in your heart. And if you don't deal with that thing with the Lord, it continues to fester and it can lead to a deeper issue. This is the root of all adultery. Adultery is not just something you set out on a day and just say, well, I'm just going to make a mistake today. No. 
No, what are you looking at? What is the desire that is beginning to develop? And if that thing's not rooted in the Lord, there's a false desire. Lust is a counterfeit thing that the enemy tries to do. All right, I want you to turn. We're just going to go one chapter further. Matthew 6, still the Sermon on the Mount. I want you to look at verse 22. Don't you love the word? I love the word. I even love the hard verses in the word. I'm a big fan. All right. Matthew 6. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? What's the point here? The eye is the lamp. What does a lamp do? Right? If it's a dark room and you turn a lamp on, what happens? Light. So what Jesus is saying here is he's saying is if your eye is clear, if your eyes are focused on the Lord and everything in your life is ordered up to that place, then you're going to be full of light. But if your eye is bad, if you're focused on things that are not bringing you, uh, that are not actually allowing you to walk towards the Lord, that are seeking to separate you from him, it actually says that your whole body could be full of darkness. Why? Just because of what you're looking at. This is a powerful verse, guys. Because what this does is it makes me more accountable for what are my eyes gazing at. The eye is the lamp. This is like an opening or a window into your body and your heart. When you look at something, have you noticed that you typically start to dwell on it? Is that just me? Am I the only person in the room? Like if I start looking at something for any prolonged period of time, I will find that all of a sudden, sometimes my thoughts will start to turn there. My heart begins to, whoa, what was that thing? What's going on, right? And before you know it, it, that thing can take root in your heart. This is why a healthy heart is so important. When temptation comes, a healthy heart says, I will avoid looking with my eyes at things that do not satisfy. In Genesis 3, Eve looked at the apple. Do you remember what she said? She saw that it was a delight to the eyes. This is the biggest ploy of the enemy. One of the biggest ploys is to dangle this beautiful apple in your eye. And it's an apple that if you're not careful, it's an apple that maybe there's part of you that wants that apple. But that apple, let me tell you, it's rotten inside. And Eve found that out the hard way. So the enemy brings temptation. And one of the greatest temptations we can face is through choosing what we are looking at. The temptation wasn't the issue. We're all tempted. Jesus was tempted. So can we just get that off the table? There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. If you're tempted, it's about what happens next. What happens next? And I'm going to show you that in just a minute. We're going to go deep on that. So the issue here was that Eve made a decision to allow the delight 
of the apple, the look of the apple and what the enemy had sowed seeds in to put this desire or lust in her heart and she let it consume her. She put her desire in it. This is why this is so important to a healthy heart. Your eyes, did you know that your eyes are like gates? What's a gate, right? There's this beautiful castle, right? And there's this, you know, I I love watching medieval movies. Am I the only one? Okay. I love these movies, like old castles. Somebody agreed with me over here. All right, right there. Thank you. Right? And in every castle, right, there's this gate, you know, and usually it's got this little moat and it's got these towers, right? What happens is you can't get to the inside of the castle without going through the gate, And if the gate is closed, you're not getting in, right? you got to go through a gate. Well, this is what I think is a good illustration for our eyes. Gates are entry points. You enter through a gate or a door to get into someone's house. Like, you're not getting in my house if you're not going through the door, and hopefully you're not trying to go through the window, right? But, like, there's a reason we have windows, doors, gates. Why? Because we're preventing just anything and everything from just getting inside. Well, think about this with your eyes when it comes to gates. The gate gives you access to the inner part of the house. So if you think about your eye being the lamp of the body, what's the illustration here? Your eye is like a gateway that has the ability to open up and let light in, or it has the ability to open up and let things that don't belong into your inner world, into the seedbed or the soil of your heart. So the gate is a place of security for the house. This is one reason why I think Solomon wrote, watch over your heart. Gates, right? I remember when our fence was falling apart when we first bought our house, and it was in really bad shape. And I'd walk outside, you know, and there's dogs all around our neighborhood, So I walk outside, and, you know, instead of just hearing the dogs, I'm seeing the dogs through the fence, you know, and they're trying to get through the fence, and they're knocking off boards and this whole thing, right? And what happened is, is I started to get into a place where I was like, we're about to have kids. Like, we're, like, we were pregnant with Addie, and I was like, we we can't, we can't have the fence looking like this. Why? Because it's a gateway to my backyard. And so I was like, we're going to have to get the neighbors involved. Like, we're going to have to figure out a way to spend money to make sure that our house is secure. Okay? Making sure my house is secure. Think of this as your heart. How do I make sure that my heart is maturing, growing in the Lord, that it's secure? Well, I watch what, what my gate is. What am I opening up my gate to? What am I opening up that? And this is really, really, really important this morning. Some of you, you've let the fence become, have all these holes in it. And it's not even sometimes that you're meaning to. It's just that through things of life, things are happening. And I think one reason why this series is so passionate in my heart is because of this reason. There is nothing that you could devote yourself to this morning that is more important than tending to the care of your heart. So how do, I, how do I close those gaps in my eyes? How do, I, how do I do that? So your eyes are like a gate to your heart. What you choose to look at matters. Now, I want to take just a second. I don't want to spend a long time on this, but I want to talk about social media for just a second. Social media is not bad. 
I think one of the first things that we've done in the church is we've actually, we've sort of made social media this evil thing. Social media is not evil. There are amazing things about social media, but it also is a place you have to be really, really, really careful. Um, and I think for some young adults, I, I see a lot of young adults this morning, and I just want to talk to you a moment this morning, because I think social media is an area where we can let our gates open to things that we don't need to be letting our gates open to, our eyes. Uh, a recent survey, um, this is data from the American Psychological Association Data Center and Engage Youth says this, uh, eighth and 10th grade students spend an average of 3.5 hours per day on social media. That's three and a half hours a day looking at something. Adolescents who use social media, young adults who use social media more than three hours per day, according to the data, face twice the risk of experiencing poor mental health outcomes. Twice the risk. If you look at the charts, like look at the charts when the iPhone came out. The suicide rates, the anxiety rates, depression, it skyrockets. Not because there's a good tool that, that came out, and, and, and it's not a good tool because we're not stewarding that tool properly. We're opening up our eyes to things like social media. The issue is not social media. The issue is if it is occupying a large amount of your time and attention, what it becomes is an object of desire. Social media is eye-driven, right? It's about what you're looking at. Looking at it isn't wrong, but when it begins to root something in your heart because you're looking at things that don't satisfy, then it isn't leading to a healthy heart. And I just want to give that to, to us this morning. Um, what, how are we stewarding what we're looking at? Because when you look at and choose to make something the object of your desire through your eye, which is the lamp of your body, it can become something that influences your heart or the way that you process things and make decisions. So this is the correlation I want to make this morning. Eyes, heart, action. I look at something, it becomes an object of desire, it roots in my heart, it leads to a decision, am I going to step out for the things that I need to be doing for the Lord, or is that thing going to actually lead me to take action in a way that I don't need to take action? And I want to lead you to another verse, which is in 2 Samuel, we're going to talk about David. 2 Samuel 11, we're going to start in verse 2. Now when evening came, do I have this one up here? I do. Now at evening time, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he what? He saw a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful in appearance. Verse 3, so David sent servants and inquired about the woman. And someone says, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Now, most of us in this room, right, we know this story probably pretty well. What ends up happening is David doesn't just inquire about the woman. He ends up committing adultery with her. That's the very next verse. This is verse 3. Verse 4 is David committing adultery. Okay, but I want you to see how this started. I want you to see David walks out on his roof and he sees her. 
His eyes see her. Now, just seeing her isn't necessarily the problem, right? Because you may be looking around and you're like, oh, I just saw something. Okay, I don't necessarily want to see that anymore, right? But what did David do? David turns the look into a gaze, which leads to an object of desire, which leads to action, which is, I want to inquire about that woman. The moment David inquires, he begins to do what Jesus said. He begins to commit adultery in his heart. Because he's taking that one step further. Does this make sense? Okay, I know this is a little heavy. Let's just take a deep breath. This is good. He saw a woman bathing. So this started with David just seeing her. And he chooses to make his look a gaze and the gaze an object of desire in his heart. So we have eyes, desire, and heart, and we have David choosing to take action. Do you know that you can be tempted with your eyes and choose to not gaze deeper and make that thing a desire that leads to action? I'm reminded of Paul's words, right, in 1 Corinthians 10 about there being a way of escape when tempted, right? What was David's way of escape? Uh, I'm going to go on a slight rabbit trail really quickly, okay? Technically, David should have been on the battlefield walking in his purpose. Literally, if you look at verse 1 in 2 Samuel 11, it says kings normally go to battle. What does David decide to do? I'm going to sit this one out. What happens when he sits it out, right? He ends up being tempted. So David actually takes a step back out of his purpose, calling and identity as a king and chooses to sit this one out. And the enemy likes to get you out of your purpose and identity to isolate you. You know what David was? He was isolated. Everybody else is at battle. Everybody else is at war. So what happens? David ends up with an opportunity to step into a temptation that he actually had no business even being there. He should have been walking in his purpose and identity as a king being on the battlefield. Instead, the enemy isolates him by saying, no, it's okay to sit this one out, David. Why don't you just stay home? Why don't you just figure it out? And he ends up being confronted with a temptation. A healthy heart is a heart that refuses to isolate. All right, that was a rabbit trail. Major point I want to connect through these passages is that what you look at impacts your heart. So what you look at impacts your heart. How many of you love movies? I love movies. And ever since I was a little kid, media has impacted me deeply. Am I the only person that like, gets deeply impacted by media? Some people don't. They're like, they'll, they'll watch a movie and it won't affect them at all. Me, I'm like, as an, at an early age, I was bawling my eyes out watching Free Willy. It's a true story. You can ask my parents, literally. I'm just bawling my eyes out watching this, you know, movie about a whale and, and, and a dolphin, all this thing. I'm just like crying. Why? Because for some reason, ever since I was little, media has been such a big gateway for me. And I know sometimes, I know at least for me, and I, and I think a lot of men in the room, we can especially be very visual people, yes? Amen. And so my struggle with media is that I've watched so many movies that I should have walked out of. Because what happens is when I watch that, I end up literally, I will not sleep at night if I watch a movie that affects me so deeply. And it also affects my wife's sleep. Because I'm turning over to her and going, babe, I just, this, 
just should not have watched, we should not have watched that movie, you know, and I'm processing it with her late at night when she wants to go to sleep. And, and so what happens is, is media is, is one of the biggest gateways for me, and I think for a lot of us. So media, it, for me, is not just mindlessly watching something. And I want to really stress this really, really, really quickly, because as a church and as a people, as believers, we need to understand that media is not just mindlessly watching something. My point in this is this. Be careful what you're watching. What are you watching in your house? What are you watching with your kids? What are you looking at? Because I'm not just talking about pornography here. I'm talking about little things that latch your mind and your heart onto something that is not of the Lord, that doesn't satisfy. And if we're gazing at that thing for too long before we know it, it's rooting in here. I always tell the story about this TV show that I started watching. And it was a great TV show and I'm not, I'm not against TV or movies or anything, but I started watching this show, and all of a sudden, there was a scene in it where the husband commits adultery on his wife, against his wife with another woman. And immediately, I felt the Holy Spirit say, I want you to turn that show off and never watch it again. I haven't watched it to this day. Why? Because I refuse to open the door to adultery in my house. I don't care if it's on a movie I don't care if it's a TV show. I don't care if it's a commercial. I don't care what it is. My gate I built around my house to watch over my heart with my eyes is going to remain secure. And I'm going to do whatever it takes with accountability. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get into the light. I'm going to take whatever it takes for his kindness to lead me to repentance so that I do not allow a look to become desire, to become a gaze, to become anything even remotely related to adultery. Not in my house. And as believers, I want you to leave this room this morning and I want you to leave with this statement. Not in my house. I'm not going to allow that in my house. All right, now I want to transition just slightly, and I want to talk about pornography. And can we just, can we talk about this, by the way, with no shame, no condemnation, no guilt? Did you know that we can remove the tabooness of pornography? Like, we need to be addressing these issues. So there's no shame, no condemnation as we approach this topic. If you're struggling with pornography this morning, guess what? You're in the right place. Because the Lord wants to bring freedom. If you're struggling with sexual identity this morning, if, there's, if, if you're struggling with lust in a sexual manner, you are in the right place this morning. Because Jesus loves you. He loves you, and his heart is that his kindness would lead you to repentance. There's no judgment. There's no condemnation. There's the grace, mercy, and kindness of the Lord because he cares for your heart. He cares about your sex life. He cares about your sexual identity. He cares about these things. All right. So listen, pornography. When I was 13 years old, I stumbled upon something on the TV that was inappropriate. Okay, this is just my story as a 13-year-old. Okay, and I'm, I'm 13, and so obviously these, these desires and these things are beginning to awaken your heart at 13. Okay, and so I, I see something that I'm not supposed to see, and, I, and that one look, innocent as it was with the TV being on, led to a 13-year struggle. You talk about a look that becomes a gaze. 
that becomes an object of desire. And so this is my story, okay? So I looked at something as a 13-year-old, and really what this did, I just want to also talk about this for a minute. I was awakening to a desire that the Lord had actually placed in my heart for intimacy. This is really important because sometimes as the church, we can also make desire for something an evil thing when the Lord placed that desire in your heart. Did you know that desire for sex is actually not a bad thing? Uh, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. It's fine if I'm talking to myself. The desire for sex, the beauty of men and women, it's not a bad thing because it's something the Lord put there to be fully placed in him and then to be part of the covenant of marriage. So listen, your desire is first and foremost out of the Lord and out of that place, I also have a desire for my wife, thank God. You talk about David on the rooftop. I love looking at my wife and looking at her beauty. She's beautiful, right? And that's a great thing. Beauty is not evil. The enemy tries to counterfeit good things and make them evil. Counterfeit desire is what pornography is. The enemy takes a desire for sexual intimacy, which is meant for marriage, and he says, find that desire in these women or these men on the internet and see if it satisfies that longing. It can never satisfy what is meant to be placed in the Lord and saved for your spouse in marriage. So in what, what pornography ends up being is misplaced desire. But it's important for us to acknowledge this morning that sexual desire is not bad. It just has to be submitted to the Lord and saved for marriage. So if you're a young adult in this room, I just want to encourage you in this. Submit your desire to the Lord. I love what Michael Miller says. He says, people will define that your sexuality should be defined by your desires, orientations, or preferences, but your sexuality should be defined by your designer. The world tries to define sexuality, sexual identity by preferences, orientation, or what do you want to be today? What do you, you know, all these things. Guess what our sexuality is actually defined by? A creator and a designer who fashioned you in your mother's womb from before you were even born, who, who created you in his own image, who loves you, but guess what? He loves you and he wants you to see that he created you as a man and a woman. All right, so the look led to many looks for me. It led to internet searching. It led to looking at magazines and books. It led to something taking root in my heart because I had opened the door through my eyes and allowed myself to step into acting on the temptation. I opened up my gate and the door through my eyes, and instead of choosing to say, that's not something I need to be doing, I, in, I allowed the look and that moment to become lust or an object of desire misplaced. And this took me on a long journey of trying to figure out how to find freedom. And one thing that I began to notice over time is that what, what once satisfied that desire in my heart stopped satisfying. This is one of the biggest dangers of pornography. The enemy never stops with pornography. Pornography is a gateway to so much more. 
And what happens over time is because that desire is not placed in the Lord, that desire is never going to satisfy your heart. And so you're going to run around looking at things, and all of a sudden you're going to find that the things you were looking at actually don't hit that thing anymore in your heart, and you end up trying to look for more. How do I look for more? How do I find more? Why? Because the insatiable desire for more is because it's false desire. It's false what it's doing is, is it's rooting your heart in something that is not of the Lord. If you place that desire in the Lord, you find your heart is satisfied. But the more you look in other places, you find, man, that, that's just not doing it for me anymore. Like, what else? What else, enemy? And the enemy takes you on a journey. If you are not careful, pornography can just become one step. And the enemy says, take another step. Take another step, Eve. Why don't you not just look at the apple? Why don't you eat it? It will never satisfy, and it will keep you on the hamster wheel of false desire and looking for intimacy that will fill that place in your heart. And it may feel okay for a second, but quickly you realize it doesn't last. So my journey led me to thinking that I was free. I've had moments where I'm like, man, I found freedom. And I actually even, actually end up getting engaged to Emily. And I ended up still in a place of struggle. It's the grace of God that we got married. I'm so thankful. I love my wife. But we entered marriage. And now I'm thinking, marriage is going to fix all my problems. Can I tell you that marriage magnifies problems that doesn't fix them in this case? Okay. So if, if you're a young adult in the room and you're like, man, maybe if I just get married, that desire will end up ending. Can I tell you, you need to get your house in order before you get married. I'm speaking to young adults in the room. Okay? We entered marriage and I'm thinking, marriage fixes all problems, right? Wrong. We actually both, now it's not just me that I'm affecting, but I'm affecting someone else. See, this is the thing about pornography, too, is it doesn't just affect you. Sometimes we think it's, oh, it's just affecting me. It's just my thing. No, it's actually affecting everybody around you. It's actually affecting your relationships. It's affecting the way you process life. It's affecting your inner world. And one of the statements I made when we began this series is that inward commotion, if not surrendered to the Lord, will always become outward commotion. So instead, I ended up bringing this in, and it, it, was, it was a really, really uh, just a place where we had to go before the Lord. And we got to a place where we were like, there is no better investment than pursuing a healthy marriage and purity. And this morning, if you're in the room, this is a huge statement that I want to make to you. Find help. At Convergence, we're not against counselors. We want you to go get counseling. If you need help, find help. But do not sit back on the sidelines and isolate yourself and say, we'll just figure this out on my own and we'll stay in this place. When the Lord has freedom for you, you just have to say, I'm willing to be free. I want to say yes to whatever it looks like to have a healthy heart. And so we literally, we, we took an entire week, both of us, we took vacation from work. We flew from Nashville here to Texas, and we spent an entire week going through deliverance and counseling. And do you know what happened? I remember this story to this day. 
I remember driving home. We were on our way home. And I remember passing a billboard that had this, this woman on it who wasn't dressed well. And I remember looking at that thing and immediately the Holy Spirit, just like this conviction hitting my heart. And the Holy Spirit said, I've restored your innocence. Do you know, oh, come on. Do you know that the Lord doesn't just want to, to get you free? He wants to restore. Oh, come on. He's not just a God of freedom. He's a God of restoration. And he wants to restore marriages. He wants to restore relationships. He wants to bring restoration and restore innocence where there was once this thing that you're looking at. Did you know that he can restore innocence to the point where you actually get convicted every time you see anything small? One of my favorite things about this journey with the Lord is that now if I see any billboard, if I'm walking in the mall and I see Victoria's Secret, and I'm like, Ugh! right? Why? Because the Holy Spirit said, that's not going to satisfy. Don't gaze over there. Don't look over there and do whatever you can to lock your gate. Do whatever you can. Listen, sometimes in, in the Christian world, we have this like, kind of this freedom thing where we're like, it's okay to look at whatever I want to look at. And, you know, I can open up my gaze and it's not going to hit me. So it's going to be okay because, you know, the Lord is with me and all this stuff. Did you know that that's pride? That's pride. What you need to do, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. And there is nothing that you could invest in more than saying, I'm not going to look at that thing. If I have to be the weird person in the mall that walks around Victoria's Secret and goes like this, you know, you know, I'm going to look at Auntie Anne's pretzels instead, right? And smell it. Amen. Right? <laughs> but you know what? You know what? I will be the weirdest person in the mall if it means that I'm not going to allow a look. The eye of my heart. I'm not going to let that thing in here, and I'm not even going to give it an opportunity. Some of us, we're giving opportunities away. We're actually giving away opportunities. We're sowing a seed in the thorny, the desires that don't satisfy. We're sowing seeds on thorny soil by looking at something that is misplaced desire. I can remember just driving home, thanking the Lord for restoring my innocence to me again. <sighs> He didn't just set me free. He restored me. Can I be completely honest with you this morning? That moment prepared me for this moment. Because if I was still dealing with that pornography thing, I wouldn't be standing up here today as, as your pastor. The Lord freed me, restored me, and planted me in good soil. What's my point? A healthy heart is the foundation for everything. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
Our eyes impact our hearts. So what you look at matters. And the enemy wants you this morning to hear condemnation, shame, guilt. Guess what the Holy Spirit wants to do? Everyone listen carefully. The Holy Spirit wants to reveal the righteousness of Christ Jesus within your heart. So the eye is the lamp. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see. Your heart being fully his allows you to see him. It opens your eyes to the thing of the Lord. A heart with desire placed fully in him will produce good fruit. A heart that says, I refuse to open up the gates. I refuse to gaze on anything with lust or misplaced desire. My object of affection, attention, and devotion is Jesus. And when I've locked eyes with the kindness in his heart that's crying out to, for me to step into freedom, there's a place where he says, come to me and find rest. Come to the waters. Come to the place and I will bring freedom. I, will, I can satisfy that desire in your heart. So listen, I want to invite the altar up. If you need to go get your kids real quick, you can. You can bring them back in the service. But I want, to, I want to end in a time of ministry. So listen, this morning, the Lord, some of you, he wants to give you fresh lenses. When you find freedom and when you step in to saying, I'm going to watch my gaze, he puts fresh eyes in you and you can see in a way that you couldn't see. So this could be media, it could be pornography, it could be money, it could be anything that you have locked eyes with that is occupying more attention, devotion, and affection when that needs to be placed in the Lord. There's a fire this morning of consecration. Will we set our eyes upon him and him alone? This morning, this is the call for ministry, if this is you. And listen, I, I want to say something really bold this morning. If you're in the room and you are struggling with pornography, I do not want you to sit this out. The enemy would like you to say, sit in that chair. Sit in that chair. You don't want people to be drawn attention to you. Can I just say this is a no shame environment right now? There is nothing that the Lord is more zealous for right now than you stepping up and saying, I'm gonna get free this morning. So listen, if you feel the Holy Spirit bringing up a specific area, things that you are choosing to look at that you want to submit and give to him, I want you to come to the front. I want you to come forward, if that's you. And I want an opportunity for us to pray for you. There's freedom this morning for some of you in the room. The Lord wants to bring freedom. This doesn't have to be pornography, guys. This could be looking at anything. What have we looked at that the Lord wants to bring a fire of consecration? He wants to set us apart. Jesus, we right now, we declare we declare there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Right now we silence the voice of the enemy that would seek to say, uh, don't come up, don't, don't point it out, Lord. We just, we crucify that thing. 
And we say it's time to step in to freedom this morning. Galatians 5.1 says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. So Lord, this morning we consecrate our eyes. We give our eye gaze to you, Lord. If you're not up front, if you're still coming up front, come up. If not, I want you to put your hand on your eyes. Jesus, right now, I ask you that you, that you would come in. Come in and show us things that we're gazing at that we don't need to be looking at, Lord. Lord, things that have occupied the object of our desire, Lord. Things that have turned into not just a look, but it's a gaze. And it's become an object of desire that's not you, Lord. Would you turn, would you take that desire away and would you point it towards the Lord this morning? Would you, would you come into our media preferences? Would you come into the things that we're allowing to look at, Lord? And would you say you don't need, that thing's not going to satisfy you. That thing's not going to lead you to a healthy heart. That thing is not going to bring freedom. Lord, would you come in right now, right now, right now, right now. You're, you're coming in with a consecration. We're setting hearts on you, Lord. You're setting our eyes on you, Lord, that we would step into Paul's prayer. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be full of light, that you would know the hope of your calling. So, Lord, we thank you for our eyes this morning. We give our eye gaze to you. We give our eye gaze to you, Lord. Would you be the center of our attention with our eyes? Would you be the center of our attention with our eyes? Lord, I don't want to look to and fro. I want to look straight ahead. Some of you, you, you've been looking back at your past, and the Lord's like, don't make your past an object of your desire. Step into what he has now. of the Lord with clean hands and a pure heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If I could have our ministry team, if we could just begin to pray for these that are up front. Let's just begin to do ministry, step into a time of ministry. You're on staff, you're an elder, you can come as well. We just really want to pray for these. Lord, we just release freedom right now. Freedom, 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 freedom. If you're sitting and you're not, you're free to go if you're sitting. But we're just going to stay in a place of ministry this morning. Lord, we just release freedom, freedom. something um, as Andrew was preaching I saw the eyes of Jesus and I feel like there's an invitation this morning to look into the eyes of Jesus that there's freedom in his gaze that he has fixed his gaze on you and he says it says that 
He has eyes like eyes of fire. And I feel like there's something that is bringing freedom this morning. Look at Him. Yes. Fix your gaze on Him. Yes. He fixes His gaze on you. And there's something about gazing into His eyes that is going to bring freedom and healing and restoration this morning.